God is good. Thank you, Lord. Come on, say it with me. Say, God is good in my life today and every day. Praise God. Well, the Lord is good. Everybody ready for some word here today? I forgot my Bible. And there it appeared. Praise God. I do want to encourage everyone uh, along this line as we begin to get in the Word. Uh, typically, people are not in the comfort of their living room with plenty of distractions around. And so I want to encourage you to take this time seriously. This is a time holy to the Lord. And so put the phone down unless you're watching the, the service on it, okay, or using it for a Bible. Don't be scrolling around and flipping around, and, and now's not the time to get a snack. Seriously, you can wait a little bit longer. And I encourage you, it may, might take a little more effort right now during in this kind of service to be focused, to be dialed in on what the Lord is saying and doing. And I believe he has some good things for us. So let's make the most of our time together right now. The only thing I would want you to do besides listen and pay attention and, and, and receive from God is share the service. And, uh, and we can be um, uh, active and, and assertive and uh, uh, forward-moving in that regard. We're advancing the kingdom through different means today. Praise God. So if you have your Bible or your Bible apps, go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and I started a series a couple of weeks ago, so this would be the, the third part of the series called Living Like You Mean It. Are you ready for some more today? Living Like You Mean It. Hebrews chapter 10, notice with me in verse 38, it reads, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And, and so a couple things you see right off, uh, right off from the get-go. Living by faith is going forward. Living not by faith would be drawing back, going backwards. We want to be among those who are making progress spiritually and advancing the kingdom of God. That is living by faith. But I pointed out to you previously that... Uh, the word uh, faith here, the Greek word pistis, is, or pistis, however you want to say it, uh, it, it is a, a conviction based upon hearing, all right? A conviction based upon hearing. And, and so using that word conviction, which, which has to do with having a firm, fixed belief, uh, I, I want to analyze our own lives, and ask, are we really living by faith the way it was demonstrated by people in this book? What does that really look like? Is it just sitting back and no, you know, I know where you're sitting back, <laughs> but kicking back on the couch and just, you know, listening, making confessions of, of Bible verses? Or, or is there something else that would characterize the real true life of faith, living like you mean it. And, and from what we've seen so far, the examples laid out in Scripture, um, <laughs> they're pretty powerful. 
I mean, they are not just passive individuals just kind of taking life as it comes. You know, there's a, a, a really funky doctrine out there today that just, you know, it, it basically turns Christians into passive people. They tell you God's controlling everything. Everything that happens is somehow a part of his plan and his will. And when you read this scripture, that, that is not the example of the kind of people who live by faith. They didn't believe that. They took God at his word and they applied it intentionally with, with force. And so we want to be like them. We, I shared with you a couple of weeks ago about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they refused to bow to this this image that Nebuchadnezzar set up. They ended up getting thrown in the fire, but they declared ahead of time, "We're going. you may put us in the fire, but our God is going to deliver us. And he did. And that was the result of their conviction. Okay? And, and, and then we, we also saw last week that David believed God. What, what did that look like? He believed that he, in a much smaller stature than Goliath, would defeat him. That he could go out and take this, uh, this enemy out by the power of God. He declared it ahead of time and then did it. And God showed up to meet him right on the battlefield and a great miracle and deliverance was accomplished by David. So that's what faith looks like. Sometimes it gets thrown in the fire and doesn't get touched. And sometimes it has to attack a, a giant, an enemy, and, and run at the thing. That's what it looks like. And so we want to uh, compare and, you know, on some level, what that looks like in our lives, whether we're thrown in a fire or attack a, or have to fight a giant, not likely, but there are other ways that this same belief, this conviction will manifest in our lives. Basically, these guys boldly declared what God was going to do, and then he showed up. I wonder sometimes if we're wondering, why isn't God showing, showing up more in my life? Why don't I see his power on display more frequently in my life? Well, what are you saying about the future? What are you declaring about what's going to be in regards to the circumstances around you? Come on, man, start to speak up and declare the word of the Lord concerning your own life. Praise God. And so how are we showing people that God is real? We have to get beyond just kind of believing things. I kind of believe this, and I somewhat believe this. Now, I don't believe everything. I don't think it would be uh, correct just to say I have perfect faith in all areas of life at all time. In fact, sometimes people want everyone to have an opinion about everything. There's a bunch of things in life I don't really have an opinion about. I can try, I can pretend, but I don't. And there are some areas of the kingdom of God that I have less understanding in than others. There are some areas I'm strong in. And that's the point I'm getting to. I'm not saying rise up to perfection instantly and just believe everything without flaw. I'm saying, what do you believe? What does drive your actions? What is so big in you that it moves you to do the impossible in some areas? Maybe there's another area of life you still need to get shored up in and still need greater understanding. But what convictions do you have in your life? Amen. Amen. Because basically, we show, we show God to the world by our bold actions. With the, in the absence of these bold actions, God is not really showing up. I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense to you, but when we act and live this way, we enjoy personal victory. 
but we also get to show God to the world. And that's what he wants. Uh, Let me read a verse to you. Uh, Psalm 106, verse 8. It reads, Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power known. I want you to notice that he might make his mighty power known. God wants to do this. It is his desire to make himself known, not to hide himself, not to keep his power away from people, but to show himself strong. But how does he do this? Generally speaking, he does this through people. When someone takes his word, his covenant promise, when someone takes the word of the Lord and say, this is going to be my life, this is going to be my experience, this is going to be my future, now God shows up riding in on that conviction of his promise and he manifests himself. So he's looking for an opportunity every single day to show himself strong in the earth, but he does not do that independent of his people believing him. Now, if you would... Turn with me to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel, chapter 1. You might recall we did read from Daniel a couple weeks ago. Daniel, chapter 1. And I want to read about a guy named Daniel. All right? Daniel is one of the key figures in the book of Daniel. And Daniel, of course, along with the other three Hebrews that we read about a few weeks ago, they were experiencing great favor from the Lord, and they were being advanced in rank and giving position and giving place and authority in this kingdom that wasn't even their, you know, the kingdom that was, it wasn't Israel, it was, they were a slave nation at this point, they were captives of uh, Babylon. Uh, but these, these guys were going up, and at one point, I want to read uh, beginning in verse 8, Uh, 1 verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart, and that's a big word, by the way, a big phrase, purposed in his heart. You'll see that through scripture. That is more than a whim, more than, hey, I had an idea. (laughs) Hey, I think I'll try this. When you purpose in your heart, it's, it's more long lasting. It's, it, it, it holds you to that commitment. Okay. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with wine which he drank. Okay, just stop for a moment. Uh, uh, He would not defile himself. Now, from a natural standpoint, because of the favor he had, to be able to eat that food was supposed to be a blessing. It is a privilege. It is an honor. It's a, it, it is wealth. Okay. But how many know that Israel had some different laws regarding food? They had strict dietary requirements, and some animals were considered unclean. They weren't allowed to to eat certain things. And so for them to be, you know, blessed with this, this meal was not exactly a blessing because they would have to override their convictions to eat it. Are you listening? Okay. Sometimes we may be faced with things that we have to override our convictions to participate in it. And so Daniel purposed in his heart, I'm not going to do it. And by the way, that's kind of a big thing to, to, to do that. He purposed this in his heart, knowing there could be great repercussions for doing so. Starvation, death, but I'm not going to do it. 
Why? Because this is my relationship with God, and that stands above everything else I do in life. And so he purposed in his heart to do this, and he goes on to say, Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I want you to notice his approach there. He's not going to eat it, but he did not go in to this chief's presence and say, I'm not going to eat this. Bless you, you are ungodly. You are defiling me. I'm having nothing to do with this. Do you notice the wisdom he had? He went in there making a request. How many think that requests are easier to receive than demands? I think there's, there's some wisdom we can receive from this uh, in how we deal with one another, how we deal with things in life. We have our convictions, but be nice. <laughs> be sweet. You know, sometimes I think this would be the case in marriages. Sometimes husbands and, and wives go around demanding things of each other. You do this for me. You, you do this. Get this. Help me. Do this. Instead of saying, would you? Hey, would you mind? Hey, would it be any trouble? Could you get this for me? Could you do this for me? How many think a lot of uh, conflicts would be avoided if we would simply learn how to be wise and gentle with one another? Okay, Daniel had this strong conviction, yet at the same time, he is requesting that he might not defile himself. See, truth can be proclaimed with wisdom or like a bulldozer. And I think we ought to use wisdom. Let's, let's go on reading verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than all the young men who are your age? In other words, they're concerned. Seriously, dude, you're just going to eat vegetables and water? And you're not going to eat any, you're not going to have any protein, not going to have any, any fats in there. Your cheeks are going to suck in, you know, and, and you're going to look like a mess. I'm going to be in trouble. Okay. Uh, goes on to say, then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward of whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Did I say his name wrong? Please test your servants for 10 days. Notice what he's doing. Got some serious conviction. He's saying, please, being, being polite, test us for 10 days. How many know what he's doing? He's saying, you test us, but what is Daniel doing? He's testing God. Not, not, not in the sense of, of tempting God in, in, in that form, but he's saying, I know the, the favor of God is upon us, and he's going to make up the difference here. He said, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. At the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of the king's delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. So in essence, basically they're taking God at his word. What do you mean? 
God commanded them in their time. We don't have these dietary restrictions on us in the new covenant. They did. So they were following God and saying, you told us not to eat these things. We should eat a certain way. Therefore, you've got to come in here and, and, and take care of us. You've got to make up the difference for the nutrients we may be lacking and, and help us to stay healthy and strong. They basically obeyed the law, the law of Moses, by faith. Isn't that the way we're supposed to obey God today? We obey him not just as, oh, man, I have to do that. Man, my life is going to be lacking, going to be miserable. I'm going to be sad if I have to obey God in this area. Quit it. Get some conviction in your life. If God ever gives us a word, and of course he's given us many, if he gives us a word to follow, obey that thing by faith. Why? Because when you do, you, you can and you should expect a corresponding response of his grace to sustain, to prosper, to bless in the middle of that obedience. The, the only time I should be afraid of life going south is when I'm resisting God is when I'm running away from his command, when I'm doing the opposite of what I ought to be doing. Every act of obedience should be done with an expectation of God's corresponding blessing. Amen. And so they got to eat what they wanted. They got to keep their convictions before God and stay true to him. But then there came another situation with Daniel. Now, because he was so favored and being promoted in the ranks uh, how many know a lot of times people get jealous of those who succeed? And some of the other hot shots in uh, Babylon were watching Daniel and his, his friends and watching them get promoted and be, being given favor. And so they're trying to figure out a way to get them. And one of the reasons Daniel was promoted is because he had an excellent spirit about him. He just did things well. And people couldn't find any, any problems with how he conducted himself. They went through his books, and he was all the numbers were right. He wasn't stealing, wasn't lying, wasn't manipulating. He was just an honest, upright person, and, and, and that's a good example to the world for all of us too. But because they couldn't find something in his life like that, they said, we're going to get him in his walk and relationship with God. That's my paraphrase. We're going to get him there because we know he won't bend there. And so what these guys did, you can read the whole story. They went to the, to the king and said, hey, let's, let's have 30 days where no one is allowed to petition any other God or any other man except you. In other words, pray. No one can pray to anyone else but you for 30 days. And the king, of course, that puffed him up a little bit. Oh, yeah, that's a good law. He signed it. And they said, and if anyone does it, what are we going to do? Throw them to the lions. All right, you petition any other God, we're going to throw you to the lions. So verse uh, 10 of chapter 6 then, Daniel 6, 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as his as was his custom since early days. So he heard about the command, and he said, basically, no, I'm going to keep my relationship with God intact. This has been the way that I normally conduct myself. I pray to the Lord at least three times during the day. And so he continued to do that. He honored God above the, the, the king of, of that land, okay? Um, I want you to notice something that he didn't do, though. 
this was what he normally did. He would pray, go to his room, and he'd open the window, and he'd pray there. He didn't go out in the city square and start to pray. He wasn't just trying to be blatant in the face of the king and reject him in some obvious kind of arrogant way. It's kind of like, have you ever seen a Christian who goes into a restaurant and when it's time for the, to start their food, uh, start eating their food, they pray together. Many Christians do that. You ever seen the ones that want to pray extra loud so all the tables around them can hear? Bah. I don't think that comes across right. I don't think that's the right spirit. It, it, it seems to kind of, kind of boastful. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't seem to have the right sweet spirit. What should you do? Do whatever is normal. Do whatever is in your heart. Continue your conviction in your relationship with God, but don't be pushy about it. You, you know, we're not supposed to just be uh, arrogant or anything like that and blatantly doing things. Daniel did what was his custom. And you know, he got in trouble for it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be reading this story. We see some, when someone has true convictions, sometimes people will uh, attack them for it. And he was, like the law said, they couldn't change the law. He was thrown in the lion's den. And I don't know what all happened that night. Maybe he cuddled up, but God protected him. He was safe. And the king actually was hoping that his God would come through for him and save him because he liked the guy, but yet he had made this decree and had to follow through on it. So in verse 23, it said, now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him. Look at the reason. Because he believed in his God. Why did Daniel live? Well, God saved him. Yes, he did. But the causative action there was because he believed him. Not everyone who got thrown to the lions lived. But when you believe God, he comes in and, and, and saves you. Now, many of us would say this. I believe God or I believe in God. I believe in his word and his promise. I believe he loves me. Those are all um, outstanding statements. But I want you to look, like, look at what faith looked like, not just what it sounded like. That's important. But what did it look like in Daniel's case? What it looked like is he said, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep serving God even though they're pushing back against me. Even if you throw me to the lions, I'm still going to serve God. Amen. So today, uh, what are your convictions? Not just what you mentally assent to be true or you adhere to. What are your convictions? What really drives you? What do you believe so much that you would give your life if you had to? What do you believe so much that you are not afraid of the opposition that comes against you? Depending on people's age and their internal security, sometimes very small things will move people away from who they truly are, what they should be, what they believe they are. And we can't let the, the opinions of other people move us away from what is eternal. I was thinking about uh, some of my convictions and you know, specifically in relationship to the church. And I, and I was able to very quick say, I believe this, and I believe this. And I, I began to write some things down, and I want to share some of those with you today. Uh, what are my convictions? I'll tell you this, I believe in this ministry. I believe in it. 
I believe it's not the idea of man, but it is in the mind of God. It was in the heart of God before it entered my heart. I believe it's ordained of him that his hand is upon us. I believe in this ministry. I believe in the power of God that is present in our services. I'm really convinced what it drives me to do is say, is, is if someone needs help, I'm quick to say, well, you should come or watch. You should be a part of this. I'm really convinced that you are going to have an, have an intersecting moment with God Almighty himself because he is involved in what we do. I believe that people will have to resist the Holy Spirit or submit to him but that they can't stay kind of in the middle. I'm just going to kind of ignore. No, there's too much God present in what he's ordained for this ministry to do. I believe that we are authorized to do the works of Jesus. That God himself authorized you and me to bring forth power in his name, to do the very works that Jesus himself did. And that's what this house is all about. I believe this ministry will continue to prosper. That we are not going to come to a point where we have to shut the doors because we are out of resources. No, the hand of the Lord is upon us. And the blessing of God is on us continually. And therefore, we shall continue in His blessing and continue to prosper. I believe that people who are a part of this, that those who partner with us will be partakers of the blessing and of the reward that follows. Oh, yeah. Again, this is a God thing. And if you connect to something that God is doing, the blessings flow in your life. I think many people are stronger than they would be if they hadn't been, been a part. I think many people are alive that would not be if they hadn't been a part. I believe that many people, I've made divine connections in their lives and their relationships are established because God is involved in what we are doing. Praise God. I believe that everyone should give and that their prosperity is connected to it. Yeah, I, I know sometimes people will say, I've heard churches do this. They say, uh, if you're visiting with us today, you just put your you know, your wallet away, this offering is not for you. I think that's tragic for someone to say that. All they're doing is saying, we don't believe that giving is a blessing. We don't believe that you're going to go up instead of down as a result of giving. I would never want to rob someone of that, rob someone of a blessing. I really believe that when people honor God first in their, in their finances and their giving, that they will uh, go up and not down. I believe, I believe so, a bunch of things. I don't have any negatives to share today. <laughs> I believe, I believe in, uh, in Life Bible College. I believe it's a God-ordained institution. He directed us to it. Because of that, I believe that He will continually send people to it. Their lives will be transformed. And the result will be many others will be touched with the gospel. This is a result of a God-ordained event and institution. I believe in it. I believe in divine healing. I believe in it with all my heart. Divine healing. What, what, what do you mean by that? That Jesus provided it for everybody. He died for everybody so everyone could be healed. And I also believe that we are um, capable vessels, that we are um, 
capable of delivering his power to the sick. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I imagine many of you will bear witness with this. But when I have an opportunity to what we say pray for, but really just minister or lay hands on the sick, I get excited about that on the inside. I've looked at people who are in great fear, looked at people in the eye who were concerned about different growths and different things on their body, and I said, well, we're going to pray. And I'm smiling, and they're almost surprised that I'm so happy. I said, well, listen, there's nothing to worry about here. I'm going to lay my hands on you, and God is going to touch your body today. You know what happens? He touches. And There is something about conviction. It will drive you to be bold. It'll drive you to speak like you wouldn't normally speak. It'll it'll drive you to say things you wouldn't normally say. I know that he works here through our healing teams. He works through our, our healing services or meetings that we do once a month. I'm convinced every time that God is about to show up in our midst and do amazing things through us. Praise God. What are your convictions? What I'm not saying just jump on something because it's a good idea. What are you really convinced about? What do you really have deep down inside of you that says, you know what, I believe that, and I'm going to start acting in accordance with it. I'm going to let that thing grow inside of me to such an extent that it will, it will drive my behavior from this point on. I will not be wishy-washy in this area. I will not speak positive and then negative and then speak praise and then, then go into complaining. I am going to declare the word of the Lord and God Almighty will back me up when I do it. Come on, if you, if you found one area, two areas, three areas in your life where you could do that consistently, you know what the result is going to be? This is how God shows himself to the world. Someone has to be a carrier. Someone has to have the conviction personally. You can't ride on someone else's convictions all your life. Amen. There are people that have, have stronger beliefs in some areas than, than others do. Fine. But is there anything that you will, you know, die on the hill for? Is there anything that you will say, bless God, I'm going to do this, period. I believe this is so, period. And I will not back down in any way whatsoever. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you believe some of these things that I've given as examples. Maybe you, you believe them with me. Then good. Don't bow to any other gods. Don't give any other thoughts any place in your life. Don't give any other activities a place as if they are stronger or more important than these. Run at your giant. Resist a compromised life. Here's my encouragement today. Ready? Live like you mean it. Come on, find something in your relationship with God, in His Word, that you can say, this is it. I will not bend. I will not waver. I will not back down. Or as the writer of Hebrews said, I will not draw back. For, for God's soul has no pleasure in those who draw back. But I will believe. Period. Amen. And now watch as God begins to show up. 
as God begins to manifest in your life, as he begins to stand there in the midst of the fiery furnace, as he goes with you to guide that stone into Goliath's head, as he gets down there in the, in the lion's den with you and cuddles up with the fluffy lions and, and protects and, and sustains and provides for us every step of the way. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, in the name of Jesus, Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for every part of yourself that you have revealed to us. What a privilege, what an honor, what a blessing that is. You have shown yourself to us. And I ask that that revelation would increase now. And there would come understanding and knowledge greater than we've had before so that we can live locked in, never wavering, never backing down, never backing off, but standing strong for you all of our days. We give you praise. We believe you're at work, active in our midst here right now. I thank you for touching lives. Glory to God for bringing healing where there is pain and where there is darkness and death. Thank you. You are our victory today. In Jesus' name, praise God.